0: I have here, carefully prepared and brought with me, a 20 pound note. Now, this is, we're going to be talking today about the issue of money. And I want us to have a think um, about what it is that makes money such a powerful thing. You see, here's the weird thing, right? This is just a piece of paper. And if I gave this to a hamster, you know what it would do, right? It would go, oh, terrific. I'll make a bed with that it would chew it up, make a bed out of it, along with its other bits of newspaper and scraps of paper. And yet when we look at this, we see something different, right? Twenty I haven't seen a 20 pound note for a long time, some of us are thinking. Why? I think it's because when we look at a 20 pound note, we don't see the paper, we see what this could get us. And money... Is a dream maker. Money is what will make dreams come true, and we have different sized daydreams for different amounts of money. So if I find, if, I'm, if I, you know, put my hand in my in a coat I haven't worn for a while and I find there's a five pound note in it, I have a five pound daydream. I see the five pound note and it immediately says to me, "That's a McDonald's." Now, I realize for some of you, that's, uh, it's, it will be different. But for me, that's like, well, that's a five pound note I didn't know I had. That buys me a McDonald's. That's, I see that as it's a dream. And we have a, you know, if, uh, if, if you had a hundred pounds, if someone was to say, I've, I'm giving you a hundred pounds, we'd think, oh, what could I do with a hundred pounds? This is our question. So what could I do with it? What dream do I have that it could fulfill? Perhaps there's a dress or a coat that I would love to buy. And that might just cover it. And we do this for everything. I have a, a £5,000 daydream. My £5,000 daydream is a little sad, I agree. But my £5,000 daydream is a hot tub. Like, literally, when I go to garden centres, I have this really, it's troubling for me. I walk into a garden centre and there are the hot tubs. They're about £5,000 and I think to myself, think that would be, I'd quite like one of those. And I think probably for ministry, it could be really useful. Because think of the pastoral care I could, think of the, the people I could invite around to share the gospel with. Now, bear in mind that this, I no longer have anywhere I could put a hot tub, so this is a dead daydream. And the house I used to live in had a garden that was about the size of a hot tub. So it would have taken the whole garden. You'd have had to go through the hot tub to get to the garage. It was not practical. It wasn't a practical daydream. But we had... See, this is the point though. We have daydreams and whatever it is, this is why money is so powerful because money makes our dreams come true because when we see money, we say, what can money do for me? This is what I see. And we all have it. I have a a multi-million pound daydream to buy Southampton Football Club and to... Buy some decent players. <laughs> that would need a lot of money. But we have. This is the way our minds operate. When anyone g- ever gets any money, people immediately say, what are you going to do with it? And that is why money is so powerful to us. Because it's a dream maker. And that is what I want us to try and work on today, to try and shift our thinking about money. And we're going to ask James, not James Doc, although I'm sure James Doc is very wise, but James, the brother of the Lord Jesus. Uh, We're going to ask James to shift our thinking. We're actually going to ask the Holy Spirit to shift our thinking through the words of James. And I've picked three verses from the book of James, which I think are going to give us three kind of shifts in our thinking, three ways I want you to view money differently as we leave today. So have a look in your books um, at session one, and you'll see our first verses there. Session one, and it's James chapter one, verse 12, and it says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, right. Uh, this is audience participation this isn't sunday we can join in uh, i want you to tell me shout out so what are some of the trials that come into your mind that james might be talking about what are, when you hear it instinctively what are the trials that you think of blessed is one who undergoes trial what Put in overground, overground. overground? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what for me it's a trial because i have to go oh i see i see i'm with you now We just needed the context. (laughs) Travelling to work on the train. Yeah. Yeah. Unemployment. Sickness. Persecution. Persecution. Right, okay. Those are the things we think of with trial. I don't think that's what James means in James 1 verse 12. I think James, and I'm going to show you why, I think the primary trial that James is thinking of is the trial of wealth. The trial of money. And here is the first big shift I want I want to make. I want to show you that money is not a dream maker. It is a trial. Money is a trial that we undergo. Now, you are going to need uh, James chapter 1 open to see this. So if you could get your Bibles open as well to James chapter 1, page 1213. One, and let's have a look at... Um, James chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 9. Have a look at this. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. In James' thinking, to be wealthy, to be rich, is a trial that needs to be persevered in. I think that's a very different perspective to how we imagine wealth. We think of wealth as, that's where I want to get to. That's the position where I can be happy and secure and have everything I want. No, James says, no, actually, wealth is a trial to persevere in. And if you persevere and stand the test, there is a crown of life, which we'll get to in a minute. Now, why? Why would wealth be a trial? Okay, let me show you. Uh, can you turn, keep your fingers, we're going to da- da- dance around a little bit, not dance, <laughs> that's too dramatic. We're going to move around a little bit in the Bible. <laughs> dance. Hosea, can you go to Hosea, um, Hosea chapter 13, I'll tell you a page number, um, which may not help you if you don't have a Bible like mine, but page 910. Okay, page 910, Hosea chapter 13, verse 4. I'm going to read this and then you're going to tell me why wealth is a trial, okay? So God is speaking to his people, Israel. He says, I've been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. What is the sequence? When you were hungry, what happens? Why is wealth become a trial? Hunger. What does hunger lead to? Dependence on God. When I was hung- when when you were hungry, I fed you, and you were satisfied. Why is wealth the trial? Because we're not hungry. Because we don't need. Wealth is a trial because wealth produces pride, according to Hosea. When you're full, when they were satisfied, they became proud. When you're in a position where you had everything you needed, you became proud, and if you're proud, then what do you do? You forget God. And that is why I think James says the rich should take pride in their humiliation. In other words, the rich should not become proud of their brilliant success. The rich, instead, should recognize how fragile they really are. So I think James is saying trial is wealth because it makes us proud. Now, this was... um, I had a, a guy at the church I was at, the last church I was at, um, who said to me, um, John, have you noticed that it's a double rollover on the lottery this week? Uh, there's, it was like 20 million pounds on the lottery. And he said to me, do you think I should buy a ticket for the church? I'm thinking of buying like 20 tickets for the church. I said, for a start, you only need to buy one there's no point buying 20, because if God's... Anyway. Um, I didn't say that. The, and the thought went through my head, twenty million. just imagine what we could do with 20 million. Imagine how much good I could imagine. I could do so much good with 20 million. Why wouldn't God do that? God can make my lottery numbers come up, so why wouldn't he? I think it's because he knows full well that there is no way that I could cope with it. To be entrusted with wealth is a serious trial, a trial that I don't think God thinks I'm ready for. Can you turn the... just turn down. Ooh. So can we see that that's there's wealth, this this trial that that can lead to pride. James chapter one persevere what we're not supposed to do is run away this is what some people do just just kill it I can I can shout what we're not supposed to do is run away when some trials come people's automatic reactions go this is really hard I'm going to run and go over there and stay as far away from it as I can that's not persevering that's giving up right When I'm out on a run, persevering means you keep going when it's hard, not give up and go home. And some Christians have wrongly responded to the trial of wealth by saying, well, then we should have nothing to do with it at all. We should not seek wealth. We should avoid it completely. We should have nothing to do with it. We should live in absolute poverty. There's a... um, Many famous examples from Christian history of Christians who have lived in absolute poverty because they believed that that was more godly. I don't think that's what James is saying. James is not saying blessed is the one who runs away from the trial. James is saying blessed is the one who perseveres in the trial. And therefore, in the midst of a trial, the challenge is to keep going. And so here's the challenge. In the midst of wealth, it is to persevere in it. It's to persevere and keep going. It's to say, I'm going to fight to live in a way which is godly and dependent on God, even in the midst of this trial. And it may be, in this room, and it is certainly true in this room, we will be given different experiences of wealth in our lives. Some of us will have very, very little. Some of us may be entrusted with very, very much. And the challenge that James is saying is, whichever of those situations you are placed in, persevere in that. Persevere. Keep living in dependence upon God. Keep trusting God. But if you're poor, don't ever think that being rich is easier. And if you're rich and struggling with the burden of wealth, don't ever think, oh, I wish I was just poor. No, God has entrusted this to you. Persevere in it. Keep going. So what might that look like? Well, let me suggest that primarily, and this is why I want to get a little bit practical, and then we'll get to kind of the big motivation, the crown of life. Let me just get a little bit practical. I think it means that whether we are poor or whether we are rich, we learn what it is to hold loosely to wealth and tightly to Jesus. We learn what it is to, learn to hold tightly to Jesus and loosely to wealth. I remember when I was, um, I think I was 23, and it was the first elders meeting I'd ever sat in. I'd just been made assistant pastor a church. I was sat in an elders meeting. I felt completely out of my depth. I didn't feel very elder. I felt quite younger. And I sat in the room looking at these wise people around me, thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And they were discussing a project that the church was working on, a big project, which was gospel-driven, wanting to see the gospel advance. And I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, well, this, is, this is great, this is exciting, and we were newly married, and I thought we should definitely give some money to this. I think we should probably give whew, maybe even £200 to this. This sounds, maybe 300 this sounds like a big thing. And at that point, I remember thinking, I've never thought, well, wow, that's really generous, I can't believe I'm even thinking to be so generous. And then one of the guys in the room worked out how much every member of the church would have to give in order for the project to succeed. It was £10,000 per person. And I remember sitting in the meeting going, You are absolute. What are you talking about? It was completely alien to me. It was a thought that was so far beyond anything I'd ever considered before. That anyone would ever give that sort of a quantity. It was a shock to me. And then I watched over the next few months as people gave. And people gave out of what they had. Some gave out of the poverty they had. And it cost them. Some gave out of the wealth that they had. And it cost them. They gave thousands and thousands of pounds. And I remember being distinctly moved by that. And thinking... I think money has way too strong a hold on my heart. And what I want to try and do through today, and particularly as we talk with one another about this, is not to kind of beat each other up and say, come on, you've got to give more money, give more money. This isn't a hard sell, on the street, chugger person. This is, what would it look like for us to not be ruled by money? What would it look like for us to say, no, this is not a dream maker. This is a trial for us to go through. What would that look like for us as a church? And I don't want us to get caught up on figures because we are all different. We have different means, different amounts. But here's the big driving thing at the end of this verse. Money is not a dream maker. Money is a liar. Because money cannot give you a crown of life. It can give you a crown of gold and it can give you a crown that feels pretty for a few years. But it can do nothing for you when you die. But here's the promise of James chapter 1. The one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. As we persevere in this trial, we don't persevere going, oh, this is so miserable. We persevere because there is something so much better ahead of us. I've got to say, that is the only way to persevere. I don't like going on long walks unless there is a pub lunch at the end of it. That, to me, makes sense of it. Circular walks, I don't get it. I remember as a kid, getting back to the car and going, but we could have just stayed here and not done the last two hours. And when God says to be generous with our money, when God says to, to persevere, it is because there is a crown ahead of us. A crown of life. And it's this crown, if we could get a hold on the beauty of the crown that God has promised us in Jesus, it would transform the way we view our possessions and our things. James says, your bank balance is just a trial. It's not the real thing. It's not what life's about. The crown of life, that's what it's about. And Jesus, who went to a cross and wore a crown of thorns, paid to buy your crown of life so that you could live forever in glory with him. So next time someone gives you some money, whether that's an inheritance or a salary packet or a gift or whatever it is, rather than going, oh, terrific, I can buy, ah oh, whatever, Instead go, here's a trial. Not a trial in, oh no, it's a trial. But a trial as in, this is a trial. This is an opportunity for me to express my dependence on God, not my love of money. And think about what we do. Now, we're not called to be reckless, okay? No one is being called to be reckless. I had a mate at uni who heard this stuff. He'd just become a Christian and he went, I'm going to take all the student loans I can get. And give all of them to church. I was like, Andy, I love it. I love your passion, but mm, not sure how wise that is. We are called to be wise, but we are called to persevere. So that's the first big shift, okay? And we're going to hear lots more stuff. But I want to give uh, time now to Trevor and Jeremy. I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to. I'll introduce um, Barry to you, and then I'll introduce Trevor and um, Jeremy to you. But let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this crown of life that Jesus has won for us. Thank you that he wore a crown of thorns so we could wear a crown of life. And Father, we pray that we would be those who persevere in this trial, the trial of wealth or poverty, that you'd help us to persevere in that. And Father, thank you for your grace to us in Jesus' name. Amen.